yep. record on that. Uh, I don't want you to think that my background is indicative of how I feel about you. It's just my favorite. <laughs> hmm. Flipped off. My background is uh, Susan Sarandon uh, enjoying boy... my uh, humorous <laughs> anecdotes about being a sexy baseball player. I mean, obviously that that's what would be that was what would happen. I mean, that's expected. All right, so we're yep. starting with yep. Bull Durham. That's correct. Yes. Correct. This that, is you, that you picked, that yes. I, didn't I pick this for you? <laughs> Which is just the perfect <laughs> off-screen death. This technically is your call, but this is what we're doing. Okay. And Dave mm-hmm. just shows up happy that he has a co-host mm-hmm. that will show up. Like, that's fine. <laughs> what do you want me to watch? Some Marvel movie? Sure. No problem. I do go for the attendance uh, award, although I did not make you watch uh, Morbius. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. I still don't know why I'm being flipped <laughs> off by your Zoom background, but... Uh, all of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh. Cover your tattoo. Something cheap uh, No, wasn't there a uh, a true romance film podcast episode on Bull Durham recently, or is that skipped? There was. No, no, they I, I didn't did cover that. I it mattered. One. Either way, because if they produced one, it was probably crap. We can do better. And if they didn't... I mean, it was just like, here's a clip. Uh, Let's have a beer. That's it. (laughs) That's the whole show. It somehow lasts 45 minutes. I don't know how they manage, but... Your shower shoes have fungus on them. You'll never make it to the bigs with fungus on your shower shoes. Think classy, you'll be classy. If you win 20 in the show, you can let the fungus grow back on your shower shoes and the press will think you're colorful. Until you win 20 in the show, however, means you're a slob. Uh, Let me tell you about my uh, experience with this film, Dave. I'd only seen it once. Um, It is perhaps the most highly regarded baseball movie. I don't, I mean, I guess maybe you could go with Costner's other uh, joint field of dreams, but that one maybe veers a little bit too sappy for the the diehard well, like I, baseball fans. Yeah, I don't even think like I I love Field of Dreams, but I don't even really think of it as a baseball movie. It's like it's very much a father and son movie more than mm-hmm. anything else, and nostalgia. Uh, where this is like kind of a pure baseball movie. It's like this, and I guess Major League um, is kind of the even more over the top comedy, uh, which has been replaced by Ted Lasso as the better version of that, that plot. Yeah. God, I don't think I even really connected that, but yeah, you're (laughs) absolutely correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you said you had only watched it once. Um, so what was your, what was your first experience? I didn't like it. I did not. I, I came in with that mentality. So we're, you know, we're doing a, this better be, this better be fucking good. (laughs) Prove it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that you're the best baseball movie because I believe we talked about on uh, the last episode, which was about an Olympic softball player and Owen Wilson as a baseball player. So we never, you know, if you've listened to that, dear dear listeners, I don't think we really got too much into the the baseball weeds because we just spent most of the well, time. There's doubting. nine seconds of film. There's well, and also like... Owen Wilson. We're just like, I don't know about that. <laughs> like in theory, he is, but I don't believe it. Um. So I, you know, I'm a big baseball fan, as are you. I believe that's our our, our favorite sport. And um, yep. coming to it late because you know you and I would have been children, or we certainly wouldn't have been of age to enjoy the content of this one. Like you mentioned major league. Yeah. 
you may not get all the jokes, but as a kid, you could still laugh and have fun with it because yeah. it's silly. You get enough goofy. of them. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been think... nine when this came out. Like, yeah, I don't. Is, I would have been six. And so, Field of Dreams, I'm sure I watched as a kid. Yeah. And maybe I didn't have the life experience of like loss and pain, but understood, oh, this is, this is sad. Those are ghosts. Right. <laughs> That's his dad. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, catch. And what Susan Sarandon's <laughs> putting out there with her uh, oh. very sexual Obi-Wan Kenobi, which now I really dig. <laughs> yes. Um, I wouldn't have gotten. But I did watch this probably when I was in my early 20s. I think I just, I don't want to say blind buy because it had the acclaim, but I, sure. I, it was like in a bargain bin. It was like a $5 DVD bin. And I'm like, well, look at this. I'm going to watch a baseball movie tonight and I'll see what the best is. And I I approached it more like it was going to be the broad comedy version of Field of Dreams for Costner, that you had two sides. And while some of it is broad with some of the, uh, especially like in the uh, the dugout and uh, the the guy that would go on to be in Batman 89 and HBO's Arliss, uh, <laughs> sometimes he veers in that territory, but Costner does not. And I think no. that's what, that's what threw me. And it's, now I see it and I appreciate it. I'm like, oh, Costner probably doesn't have broad comedy and his skill set in his bag so that was a smart decision but yeah at the time i thought he was pretty funny in man of steel i mean just you know really we're playing the hits for the the true bromance crowd really this is just i mean you could just put in you know the parenthetical there that this is just an attack on hyro this is a shot shot after shot so i i was like well that was okay but that's nowhere near the best like let's just yeah, let's see what did that. you at that point in your life? What did you think was the best? What what ranks for you the best baseball movie? Because you know now I probably because like I know the, you hate the Natural, so I know it's not that. I don't think I ever finished the Natural. I think I um, <laughs> I just could not get over that. You know, as, as I'm sure as a kid, I thought uh, the Sandlot was was the best mm, one because sure, there were, sure. <laughs> in Kentucky public education system there were many a day where they just threw on the VHS the Sandlot and good boy, call if you ever want to love a movie it's when you're not having to pay attention in class <laughs> this is the best movie ever <laughs> I don't have to do any homework this is great yeah fair <laughs> and so yeah as an adult I would probably say Moneyball I know you and I both really like that one but well, as far great. as what uh, I considered the best for most of my life it was uh, Eight Men Out was my favorite baseball oh, movie. Oh, the John Cusack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Okay. Which that's, that's decidedly like Moneyball, more specifically about, you know, the nuances of, of baseball. And that I guess you could say both you know, of them are about trying to cheat the game in a way. <laughs> in a different way, trying to game the system. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I just kind of thought of this as we were talking about, like, what our favorites and what the best uh, baseball movies are. And... So many of them are like baseball adjacent. Like mm-hmm. Moneyball, it's it's a math movie. Like let's let's mm-hmm. be real. Yeah. It's about it's about as I said, gaming the system. And I I wonder if because there are so many pauses in the action in baseball, if there's just more time to kind of look at these other things that are adjacent. Whereas like a football movie, you have to have the action, right? Same thing with a basketball movie. Almost any other sport, there's not that many stops and starts. So in a baseball movie, you can really get into like the psyche of the people on the field and all that stuff and everything going on behind the scenes and the moves that are made. So it's it's interesting when I think like good baseball movies, I don't know that there's many that are just pure baseball. Like it's just the game on display. Like you see that very rarely. It's all the stuff going on behind the scenes. Like for me, 
this was the first time I'd ever seen Bull Durham, which is crazy. Wow. Like, just, okay. Yeah. Just the fact that I'm a movie guy. I love baseball. I love Kevin Costner. Like, this is random. Like, I was just like, why have I not seen this? With no me? wonder your selection is actually my selection. Okay, right? Yeah, never <laughs> seen it. So I – and I realized as I was watching it, like, it's become so much a part of the cultural lexicon at this point that I felt like I had seen it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's like there's so many lines that are so well-known and moments that are so well-known that you feel like, okay, I, I kind of know what this is putting down. Wait, wait, where are you going? After 12 years in the minor leagues, I don't try out. Besides, uh, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy... The small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve. And I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. Like, so you end up like passing it off and being like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. I'll get to that eventually. And then, and then you're 43 years old. You've never, (laughs) you've never seen Bull Durham. And I threw it on. And of course I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, And it's one of those things. It's hard. It can be hard to talk about because everything that everyone says about it is right. (laughs) It's really funny. It's really sexy. Um, uh, Tim Robbins cannot throw a baseball to save his life. Like all of this stuff is a hundred percent true. Did you like his? Uh, you know, he's doing a very Luke Skywalker thing. I'll just keep up the Star Wars analogy with uh, Costner's Obi Wan, um, <laughs> where he's uh, not really looking where he's throwing the ball. Like his head, like rears yeah, back to the center the way field, back. and like, then <laughs> just release. Yeah, I wonder why your control is for shit. Like you're not even looking. <laughs> It worked for blowing like, up the me, Death give Star. Me, it can work for give this me day. Charlie Sheen in Major League any day. Like, give me like that's a little more convincing. Like, I was expecting to watch this and be like, "Oh, that stuff is overblown." Uh, people are just complaining to complain. But I watched it and I was like, "Oh yeah, that looks like me on the mound." Like, that's not that's not good. That's <laughs> with no training, and especially with someone like Costner, where it's like, especially later in his career, you've seen that he can do this. Um, so it's in, in that opposition between the two of them where Costner looks like an athlete, mm-hmm. like he looks like someone who, who could play ball. Um, and this is maybe the most, the most I've enjoyed Kevin Costner in a movie. Uh, and mainly cause he just, he just talks a lot of shit like throughout the entire movie. Like just, I think at one point early in the movie, a kid like comes up and says something to him and he's like, shut up kid. And then just keeps <laughs> walking back to the box and I'm like, that guy, that's the guy I want to hang out with. Right there. It's interesting that, um, you know, in the, in the eighties in particular, that, uh, I, I think most people would say that's his, his prime. Um, they may not have mm-hmm. known it because it, it bleeds over into the early nineties with the, uh, the Oscar wins for Dances with the Wolves, JFK in 91, uh, the bodyguard, which was, it was massive oh, yeah. financially. Massive hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this one and like the untouchables comes to mind where he's, he's the lead, but in the, the, the world that they're creating, he's second banana. Uh, right. And I think that fits with it with Costner's uh, great looks. And <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, I mean, honestly, like limited range 
as an actor to emote. He actually like this type mm-hmm. of character fits him like a glove to where yeah. he has some sort of barriers in place, whether it's yelling at a kid, um, you know, the, the sort of, I don't want to say cat and mouse, but this little dance he's doing with Susan Sarandon, um, mm-hmm. where the film sets up this love triangle and it's actually his character of crash and the film itself. that's like, no, fuck that. Uh, I don't want nothing to do with anyone. Anyone who wants to have sex with this man child, I'm out. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I respect that. I mm-hmm. respect that. He's like, you want to fuck him? No, I'm good, actually. Mm-hmm. That's... There goes my boner. You want to have sex with gangly Tim Robbins. Uh, but it, it, I I dug it because you, you expect that it's going to be this back and forth. Like, can these men work together on the field when they're both competing mm-hmm. for the, the same woman? Uh, and... Costner says, no, I don't, I don't, I basically don't compete in my personal life. Um, Right. Which is, it's interesting to see him. And I wonder how people took it when it it came out that, you know, Costner is cast as the one who could never quite get over the hump. Right. Um, I I think in, you know, in baseball parlance, he'd be like a a quad A player somewhere. He he writes not quite good enough for the big leagues, but too good to be hanging right. out with these idiots in the minor <laughs> leagues. Home run records in the minor <laughs> leagues. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think it wor- the film does work better. I'm not just apologizing for my initial reaction. It works better the further you get away from Costner as the number one movie star at the, at the time. Yeah. If you yeah. look at him, I'm not saying he's a character actor, especially with the massive success of uh, Yellowstone. But now you can look at it as like, oh, he's he's sort of leaned into the, the grouchy old man roles that uh, he would get and he was just comfortable with them at a very young age totally. i don't know how old he was he was probably like 40 here but he's you know he yeah, seems he, way he does not look 40 though yeah yeah uh there's two major things that i that i noticed uh when when i was watching this and one is that this is why we need movie stars right mm. there is a cool factor here that transcends the material so there is a sequence when he's trying to teach his gangly idiot a lesson uh to not shake off his calls and so he tells the batter here's what's coming and of course he jacks it over the wall and you know he, you know he kind of plays around with it and it's kind of like wow that, that thing really took off look at that look at it go uh and i think if kevin costner is not so cool we see him as a traitor in that moment like why would you sell out your own teammate but because kevin costner is so cool and tim robbins is so fucking not you're like yeah fuck that guy that's right you Mm -hmm. got what was coming to you sir um so like that movie star thing matters and i i don't know how many people we have besides we talked about moneyball besides brad pitt who kind of typify and exemplify that amount of cool where you're just like no matter what that guy says i'm on that guy's side because because uh, he's the movie star, so I'm gonna yeah. roll with him. John Cusack didn't quite have it in Eight Men Out, which right. is fine because in in that film, no one listens to him. <laughs> he doesn't right. have any right. weight in the locker room, and, and neither would would I. See, <laughs> so, it's perfect. <laughs> um, I agree with you there. I also think that you have to um, you have to sort of redraw the lines for the audience who maybe are not huge sports fans. As far as sure. this is what we do here in the minor leagues, like. Yeah, the arc of the Costner character is he's brought in uh, to to learn this kid a thing or two about how to mm-hmm. play ball. And the wins and losses, even though they do have the sports montage of like, here are things when they're going bad. Here are things when they're going good. Sure. They still use it as a gag that <laughs> as soon as they get on a win streak, uh, Tim Robbins will not have sex 
with Susan Sarandon uh, because the old That's baseball amazing. lore don't change anything. Like whatever's going That's well, right. like just keep up the same same uh, decorum here. No sex. We're that's what we're doing yeah. now. Uh, I <laughs> like that even when that's introduced yet again in this particular love triangle, that Sarandon calls him on it and he throws basically her baseball fandom and philosophy back in her face and is like, right. "Look, you've got this guy." Uh, wearing like a, a garter belt and you're like doing all this shenanigans to get in his head, basically to convince him to, to be as talented as what it, what it can be. Like you have to convince right. this guy, you have to drag him along and all credit to the way that Susan's random plays the character of Annie, the way she's written, it doesn't become a, a huge blow up drag out fight. It's like, yeah. fair point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you brought up Susan Saran in particular, because that's the second thing that as I was like watching this, as I walked away from it, I was kind of in awe of, and it just goes to show where we are right now in film, is like how blatantly sexual this movie is. Mm. Like, mm. not only with, Once you know. Again, my pick, of course. Yeah, exactly. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, slide it in. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> Baseball terms, Dave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Keep it clean. Of course. <laughs> this right. is a family I mean, show. I mean, by the end of the movie, when her and Costner have their moment, like, that scene is like, oh, wow, how far are we going to go here? Mm-hmm. Like, this is risque. Like, movie stars. For, yeah. Doing it. Absolutely. The good old yeah, days. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And actually, it made me think of, like, I forwarded this to you, but I'm very excited that, you know, you must remember this. This gigantic podcast is doing a whole series on erotic cinema, like starting in the in the 60s and 70s, moving forward and seeing where we are now, because where we are now is chaste. It's, it's odd because bodies have never looked better. Uh, on screen, uh, but we refuse to have them be sexual objects at all. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Like, we're going to give you all the steroids you can. We're going to make sure you're ripped <laughs> to the gods. You look perfect. No kissing, though. It's like, mm-hmm. it's wild. And then you watch this, it's and it's like... Maypole dance is all it is on cinema now. Right? It's horrible. And then, and then you watch this now, and it's like, yes, the people on screen are beautiful people, but they do look like relatively normal people. Right, bodies look normal. They look like they're in shape. Well, but they're Kevin not, Costner like... looks good without a shirt on, but he's not. Yeah. Uh, he's not <laughs> late not stage on Hugh Jackman here. Wolverine. He's uh, right. X Men One uh, Wolverine. Where it's right. like, hey, I like he's that thin. Yeah. He's got hair on his yeah. chest. He looks good. Yeah, but yeah, no, just, there's there's no no steroids I mean, in the Durham Bulls just, organization. Maybe I'm just a <laughs> pervert, but I like movies where characters fuck. Like it's a part of life. It's a part of real relationships, and like to see this so blatantly on screen with two characters that you end up liking and end up rooting for. Like, this is great. It was so refreshing to watch this. Whereas if you made this movie now, they would kiss and it would fade to black. And then you'd show yeah, the, the Truman show but it, thing. Yeah. But it, the, the yeah. But instead you cut like this, like three or four minute sex scene. And I'm like, Oh, we're just going all Tied over up. the house. This is great. On the kitchen table, in the tub, yep. candles <laughs> lit. Yes. Fantastic. Um, on the ground. Like, <laughs> so, I think, you know, in the modern lens, why, you know, there, there's a genuine fear of probably <laughs> doing anything sexual in Hollywood content uh, because yeah. of the, <clears throat> I would, I mean, someone say, I guess the changing dynamics, how I look at it, I think it's just a, an honest course correction in how we view power dynamics, but just for, you know, since the, the bean counters, this is just product, this is just content that becomes a square on a right. streaming service. 
let's not get Everybody's into the nuance be able to watch of it. things. Everybody's yeah, let's be able to watch it. So. <laughs> so, what do you make with the modern lens of, I guess, the power dynamic as they establish the Annie character? She picks out one ball player a year, who presumably is going to be a younger man because sure. Costner's character of Crash is a, an outlier that they're going to bring someone that old back down to this organization to train the, the youngins. But do you have any issue with that there? It's, now it's all sort of like stated. This is what I'm doing every year. I have a new man in my life. Any problems, Dave? Do you want, do you want to play the no. Twitter card that Sarandon no, no. took advantage yeah. of gangly? <laughs> no, it's all with consent. Everyone here is happy about it. Except Costner and he removes himself mm-hmm. and they allow him to do that. Like, okay, you don't want any part of this? That's fine. That sucks because you just turned me on with this great speech. Uh, mm-hmm. But okay, fine. Um, Pleasure delayer, happy. as they yeah. say in Vanilla Sky. Uh, That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I don't want this so upfront. Check and out that episode, very... please. More downloads. <laughs> That's right. So Mike can prove that Vanilla Sky <laughs> is worth it. Please, please. Uh, but she's, I mean, she's so empowered in this. She's the one making the choice. It's not as if, it's not a sequence where she's like, well... I've been forced to be with one man every year. Like, it's like, no, she's choosing to do this, you know? And she's like, you know, uh, every guy I've been with has done really well and improved and gone on to the majors. So it's in your best interest, too. I am not only hot, but I am better for your future. And I get to have fun with you for a year. That's fine. Like, I can't believe anyone would have an issue with this in either direction. It's probably as healthy... As you can possibly get with a possible sort of star fucker mentality, because for one, these people are not stars. They they may be, you know, but she's not she's not chasing them down, trying to latch on to someone. Um, and the other thing is that she is an honest to god true baseball fan. She she yeah. loves the game more than anything up to that point. And I look at it as she's not really found that person that can be at her her level, and be it with right. baseball or in life. Until Costner comes around and, you know, you could you could fault the Annie character for maybe limiting where she's fishing in this this with this particular baseball team sure. because it's going to be presumably young and, and dumb, sort of immature young men until Crash comes along. Uh, but I, I like that there's not a competitive love triangle element to it. Right. I like that as soon as Costner gives, you know, you mentioned some of the lines that are very quotable. As soon as he gives the speech about the things he knows to be true and what what he loves in life, which I, I like you, I'd heard that before I ever saw the yeah. movie. You know Robbins is uh is toast. Uh oh yeah. yeah <laughs> Nuke is game. done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's over. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean he would be very sad now that the DH is in both leagues, but mm. you know yeah. we're we're here. Sorry, Crash. I mean I'm um, just happy that the owners uh could allow baseball to happen, you know, since to happen. It's it's such a curse that they have that they make hundreds of of millions of dollars off these teams and they're, you know, out in the, the poorhouse. Every year, just guaranteed. That was one reason I wanted to program baseball movies, Dave, because I was like, I didn't know if we would have baseball. Right? And, and we do, right? but, you know. This would thankfully. have been a much sadder month. It would have just been Dave weeping on the air. Because I think no when we get to next week's episode, you'll say it's maybe yeah, a maybe much we sadder get month. Rid of baseball. That's... But, you know, I got to watch Bull Durham. Yeah. I got to watch Everybody Wants Some. I'm, I'm That's pleased. Right this month that's right yeah and you know, <laughs> not you mentioning about this, one film this, <laughs> but we'll yeah, get yeah, there yeah, don't worry about that uh you would you would mention the whole starfucker thing and it, it's not even that though because she's so upfront. i view a starfucker as someone who goes after someone who's famous but doesn't 
say like this is why i'm doing this mm. right they're just like no no i really i really care about this person nah no you don't and she's like very upfront like from the very beginning she has some long diatribe about like i would never date someone who's hitting under 250 you know <laughs> like, <laughs> which i'm like okay yeah she see she has standards right it's not just the the cutest most good-looking guy who shows up on the team that year it's someone that she feels like has potential that she can guide and i, I think it's you know I think it's interesting that both Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner are there to do the same thing for Nuke, right? They're there to build up his, his potential and guide him in the right direction. And weirdly, together, they both managed to do that. You know, her at the home games and, and Kevin Costner on the road games, and they, they figure it out. Uh, so it's like, it is a weird, a weird interchange because Tim Robbins does play this very naive and very young and very excitable um, and even though Susan Sarandon is pretty young in this, she's very clearly the older, more experienced woman, mm-hmm. uh, in this relationship, which is why I think from the beginning you find yourself rooting for her and Costner. Cause they just like, they match better, like both intellectually and physically age wise. Like you're just like, these are the two that should definitely be together. And so I'm glad the movie, but like you said, the movie manages to do this in a way that's not combative. It's never a like, well, well, that fucking kid stealing my lady. Like, it's never, there's none of that. It's just like, well, yeah, now she's done with him and it's on to the next. He's going to go to the pros and he's happy. Coster's happy. Sarandon's happy. It's, it kind of all works out pretty well. I also like how they wrap up, um, the, the love triangle that wasn't in that. There's a sweet moment, uh, that, uh, Tim Robbins character gets the call. Uh, while he's over at Annie's, um, he's actually he's come with his father in hand. He wants her to meet his dad and uh, also to fuck yeah. her because the wind streak is over. So, you know, just just kind of a, a, a foolish guy, you know, just not yeah. doesn't have his wits about him. Um, but, it, you know, the, the joy he has on his face that he gets to experience that like in front of Annie, it's almost like, you know, all all this you, you've helped me get here in front of his father. And then it's the late realization as he's getting right out at the door that's like oh this this relationship will not be consummated in that way and it's a, right. they actually don't have for as much as this film is known for its dialogue there's a lot of really great <clears throat> a lot of really great awkward pauses as far as them feeling out like oh this is the end like this is this is the last interaction we're gonna have <clears throat> how do you wrap it up without having like because I, I do think like in especially in romantic relationships you know the physical part I'm not going to say it's a necessary evil because we had this whole pro sex thing on film, but there is this feeling good if you don't consummate it in that way, then it's like, did it ever really happen? Like, what did we have here? What was Mm -hmm. this? And it's extremely rare in film that you spend most of your time with these two as a couple. And that doesn't happen, but it's not, it's not met with enthusiasm in a sort of creepy way from the crash character. That's like, great. You're out of town. Now I can fuck Susan Sarandon. Like, (laughs) in fact, he's, he's still caught up in his own bullshit. That's like, does this guy, does this guy really appreciate the gifts that have been presented to him? Be it Susan Sarandon coming into his life, going to play professional baseball, going to the show. And then the next scene, the film even undercuts that by Costner saying like, you know, sometimes I get drunk and say stupid things. Like, let me give you a couple more pointers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's the, petulance that they allow the characters to display at times but then they backtrack on it 
Like, you know, everyone, everyone falls and makes mistakes. It doesn't define them as like, this guy was out to screw him from getting everything right. he wants. It's, it's just a very adult kind of film and doesn't really play into the particular tropes, even though it's set up sort of in a tropey way. And that's probably what I like the most about it now. I'm still wondering, because I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes, do you believe if this came out today, um, would this be a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes? This type of movie, same thing, same script, you know, different actors, you know, make it, I guess, age appropriate for 2022. But mm-hmm. do you see this just being like an almost no. like... Yeah. No, no, not at Why? all. Why? What, what do you think's I, changed? Um, I think, oh God, there's no way not to be negative when I talk no. about this. I, 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 I just went like... on this whole thing about how the film never goes too negative and how great it is. But we... <laughs> Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> we fucking ruined it. Sorry, Bull Durham. Um, so I feel like there are only two categories of movies that do really well critically currently. It is well-made product... And, you know, very serious Oscar contending movies. And this falls somewhere in between. Um, so it would get reviews like, well, this was nice and harmless. A nice way to spend a couple hours. And that's all they would talk about. So you would end up in that middle road where, you know, some people would give it a two out of five. A lot of people would give it a three, maybe a couple fours and maybe like one five out of five. So you'd have this like... 65 to 70% uh, probably on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's sad because, like, I, I after now finally watching it, kind of unabashedly love this movie. I think it's great. Like, it's one that I see myself rewatching. Um, and I don't, and I can't say that about a lot of movies that have 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Most movies at 97% are, all, are either like, well, I disagree, that's fucking dumb, <clears throat> or like, that was, that was a lot. <laughs> And I don't see myself going back. I'm not going to watch, you know, uh, drive my car six times this year. It's like, well, you, you don't know. have time for one. You know, you're <laughs> yeah, a working professional. Actually, and... <laughs> that, that's true. That's you're engaged true. Yeah. in a relationship. So, yeah, you need to be completely alone and independently wealthy to tackle those. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and even then I'd be like, eh, <laughs> there's a lot of other movies to watch. I'm rich. Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> but it's interesting. I mentioned the the Oscar thing. And, you know, I guess Gene Siskel, uh, you know, one of your favorites over at uh, sober cinema, uh, mm. who's, you know, I guess very terrified of children ever being in danger. That's like the, mm-hmm. the running theme yeah. of his reviews. Strange thing. He, about s- the man. he said the acting in Bull Durham cannot be faulted and should be remembered at Oscar time. Sarandon has one of the juiciest female roles in years. And she makes you think no one could play it better. Four out of four stars. So, yeah, yeah, so Gene knew knew what this was about. I, you know, I'm a little weirded out by the the turn of phrase "juiciest role." Uh, I'm not sure why Gene picked that hey, one in hey, particular. We but, celebrate you know. sex here. What are you doing? Like, let him use the language he wants to use. I, <laughs> that I, sounds I, like an Ebert thing to say. That well, is I did have Ebert's up. Well known so. pervert Roger Ebert. He doesn't have a splat in his three three and a half stars out four. Bull Durham is a treasure trove of a movie because it knows so much about baseball and so little about love. That one that that particular mm. <laughs> pull quote I think requires maybe actual reading of <laughs> of his review, which. Who's going to do that in today's day and age? But yeah. um, I can't say I agree with that um, necessarily. So let me let me prove our point further. On Rotten Tomatoes, there are two splats. Okay. Only two. Oh God. Oh, no. And they're both modern reviewers. Uh, they're both okay. after the year 2000. 
one of them from Walter Cha at Film Freak Central says, Alas, there's too much chatter in the piece, too much <laughs> posturing by Shelton, too many lazy takes, and too much unchecked bloat. <laughs> I... Wow. I love the idea that, like, we are, like, it's a sports movie, and it has its place in the canon. It doesn't have to have a Scorsese one-take. Like, it doesn't have to be overly clever with its cuts. Like, it tells a, a story that's interesting and fun and can bring in fans of baseball and non-fans of baseball alike. And I think that should be celebrated. Like, you know how hard it is to make a sports movie that people who don't like baseball will watch? And enjoy that's really difficult and bull durham absolutely does that like i was watching it actually and my mom was in town she came in to visit uh for my birthday and she was like oh bull durham i love this movie my mom has no interest in baseball she only knows anything about baseball because my dad was a huge baseball fan and so was i so she like you know she's much more of a basketball fan that's mm-hmm. that's her thing college basketball so she should be in kentucky because college basketball is king here um, not this, not but she's like, year, oh, but, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> less so this year, yeah. Look, I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, but yeah, she loves this movie. So it's like, this is this is not easy to do. And I think sometimes, especially when you get film critics who are the types who are like, oh, sports ball, they just completely denigrate any movie that's actually about sports, actually features sports in it, and they tune out, right? It's like... It's like some sports fans, if they watched a movie and it was a period piece, they'd be like, meh, not interested. And critics are just as guilty of this in other arenas. Mm. And here we are with modern reviewers being like, well, it really needed a Coco Cabana one take. Like, just stop it. (laughs) Can we just just enjoy a fun, sexy movie about baseball? Can we just enjoy that? I did look up uh, Ebert's uh, where that pull quote came from, the context of it. Bull Durham is a treasure of a movie because it knows so much about baseball and so little about love. The movie is a completely unrealistic romantic fantasy. And in the real world, the delicate little bouncing act of these three people would crash into pieces. But this is a movie, and so we want to believe in love, and we want to believe that once in a while, lovers can get a break from fate. That's why the movie's Hmm. ending is so perfect. Not because it seems just right, but because it seems wildly impossible, and we want to believe it anyway. He may he may be more negative on the human race than I am. I'm like, well, I, yeah. I do think there are some adults somewhere in the room right, on this planet right. that could manage the dynamic of this relationship. <clears throat> but I, I do like the general thought that this is this movie, Bull Durham, is why we used to go to the movies because it has the feel of a, it's a, a fantasy. Movie, and you're seeing Fun. movie relationships play out. Right. I mean, not many of us look like. Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon in the None bathtub, of us. just <laughs> banging it out. But we envision ourselves looking like Yeah, that. but that's how I see myself. <laughs> I mean, so will you – fuck, Mike. Will you just let me have this? <laughs> I don't need your negativity, sir. On that note, my next selection for this podcast well, – Talk about negativity. <laughs> just you fucking wait. I, you know – I did see a little Dave as the uh, baseball player, as the title character <laughs> of the slugger in the slugger's you wife. You go to fucking hell. You go to hell. <laughs> Which is what we will be covering next week, and Dave is so pleased. I can't wait. So excited. 